0: Welcome to the Vertifor Insurance Podcast with Rick Fox. We're here to talk about the industry with some of its biggest influencers. From technology, trends, and current events, if it's happening in insurance, you'll hear about it here. Make sure to tune in every week and join in on the conversation with us on social media at Vertifor. And now, here's Rick Fox.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the Vertifor Insurance Podcast, the VIP. I'm the host, Rick Fox. And today I have a rock star in the house. I've got Bill Peroni, CEO of Accord, who I've been excited about. Ever since we had our first talk, Bill, I've been excited to have you on the program. I think that our listeners are going to get a lot of great information out of this. Bill, welcome to the show.
0: Rick, thank you for having me. And uh, thank you uh, to Vertifor for, for the support has given uh, to Accord throughout the years. So thanks for the opportunity. Glad to be here.
1: Absolutely. I know you're used to speaking to much bigger rooms and much bigger arenas, but um, we we are happy that you've graced us with your presence. And I want to get everyone kind of more familiar. If you don't know who Bill is, kind of, Bill, tell us your story. How did you end up as the CEO at Accord? I know you were at Marsh for a while. Like, kind of, how did you end up here?
0: Sure. I think uh, many of us who find ourselves in the insurance industry um, have a uh, a story that says he didn't mean to do it, right? many of us, aside from, I think, the actuaries um, who actually majored you know, in, in something that led to the insurance industry. Um, I did not mean um, to be in the insurance industry, but I feel very fortunate um, that I did. Uh, as you said, prior to the CEO role at Accord, I was the chief operating officer at Marsh McLennan. Um, I've spent my entire career in the insurance industry, I was part of the office of the chairman at State Farm, uh, CIO at Aon, I was the global head of insurance at IBM, a partner at Accenture, and uh, uh, with McKinsey as well, so always insurance, um, and uh, just uh, did not mean to do it. I think if I lived this life a hundred more times, I don't think I'd be sitting here. But very grateful that I wound up within the insurance industry because it's a very noble profession, and we do, I think, great things for society and for individuals and communities where we operate too. So very, very fortunate to be part of it.
1: And happy to have you here, and excited that we get to have this conversation. Uh, I will, I, I always do this, but uh, he, he, Bill, is an Illini uh, for his That's undergrad, true. and then, but he also has that that school i always say when we've got those people on they're the smartest people in the room he's got an mba from harvard that ma- that just instantly makes him smarter than me that's just a- another
0: random accident i assure you i did not even mean that i uh, found my way there by sheer accident rick sheer uh, accident
1: so let's let's dig in here what i think is great about what you're doing or why we what, what we're doing today is y- you guys have been doing these incredible research studies these 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 papers that are giving information and they're not just like, hey, we called three of our friends and we got some input. There are thousands of people that you're having conversations with when you're doing some of your surveys. And it really ties in with a lot of the stuff that I've been kind of you know, on my soapbox about as it relates to modernizing the agency, digitization, the, the distribution channel. And one of the studies is called Distribution and Digitization 2021. I read it um, I think it's so important that our, our listeners, our industry is aware and starting to move in this direction, but, but just talk to me a little bit. It, it looks like, let me just give some numbers here. The court studied over 12,000 I- insurers across 85 countries representing 90% of global premiums. That's a pretty fair, like w- what, what was said in this study is probably pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we try, try kind of to numbers. get, we
0: try to get valid sample sizes. We've, yeah, we've got, well, Accord's got 36,000 members globally across 100 countries, so um, we don't, uh, uh, we don't suffer from uh, an inability to get our hands on the types of data to do these types of studies. And it's a personal passion of mine. Um, I would say this study, believe it or not, the genesis of it started in 1996. There was an article for those that remember, by Nick Carr, and and the article was called Does IT Matter? And his hypothesis, it was in the Harvard Business Review, um, but his, his, his thesis was that when you look at level of IT spend, and you look at productivity of workers, you look at growth, you look at profitability, you see no correlation. Now, for someone who spent their entire career trying to improve operational efficiency and effectiveness within the insurance industry across uh, uh, agents and brokers and carriers and reinsurers and other stakeholders. You know, that's a very depressing thought that you spent your life uh, trying to apply technology and there wasn't any benefit. Now I had a hypothesis that the reason why you didn't see a correlation between level of spend and uh, productivity or shareholder returns or growth or combined ratio um, was that you were just simply looking at one dimension solely looking at how much someone spends on IT is like saying, I have a pound of sugar. Do you like the cake I'm making? Well, (laughs) that's only one ingredient. You can't simply look at one dimension. So the very first study I did when I got to Accord five years ago is I wanted to look at the top insurers around the world And I wanted to look at not level of spend, although that was to be considered, but really look at a number of dimensions, right? Spend was one, but we said, how well do you integrate the ecosystem if you're a carrier? How well do you integrate with reinsurers, with independent agents? How well do you use technology to integrate the value chain from underwriting to claims to the back office? How well can consumers interact with you as a carrier in the way that they wanna interact with you or as an independent agent? Do you use data and analytics at the moment of value, right? And that's when a customer's on the phone with a billing inquiry or an endorsement or a claim, or are you using data analytics to answer the question, what happened, right? Are you using it to answer the question, what's the best thing that could happen? Do you use technology to operationally uh, create efficiencies? Um, To enhance strategic and tactical degrees of freedom. Do you have a culture that embraces technology? And when we we looked at it and we came up with five dimensions for digital maturity. At the lowest level of maturity are what we call digital laggards. They have very limited awareness, limited execution. Next, localized digitization. um, Insurance stakeholders who applied bits of technology to pieces of the value chain. Digital aspirations. You've got a plan. You've got a budget. Doesn't mean you're going to get there. Two-thirds of change efforts in the insurance industry fail to meet their targeted scope, time, and resource objectives. Then we have what we call digital firms, uh, where you're using technology for efficiency and effectiveness. And the ultimate dimension, though, is digital competitors who are using technologies to drive and optimize um, outcomes, both strategically and tactically. Now, anytime we do a study, Rick, I always I, I assume the capital markets' share price returns over the long term um, are are very good measures, right? Mm -hmm. So what we did was when we first started doing the study, we said, does the level of digital maturity correlate to shareholder returns, correlate to premium growth, correlate to combined ratio? And what we found is that when we first did the study, digital laggards and the digital competitors, both ends of the extreme, actually had very similar levels of shareholder returns. Now, it was my hypothesis that those that systematically underspend on technology were buying back stock, paying dividends, using it to compete on price, using that Mm underinvestment. But my thought was, ultimately, they won't be able to sustain that. And we do this study every year, and we've been doing it for the last five years. We'll do it forever, or at least until I I can't do it anymore, right, because we like to see. And what we found is finally – During the pandemic of 2020, we saw the laggards fall behind. So let me just give you one metric. If you look at total shareholder returns, that's real share price appreciation plus dividends. So how well did you do in real terms, not nominal terms? The average carrier we examined over the the last 10 years had roughly 226% return. So a 2.2, 2.3 X return. Mm -hmm. Laggards, including 2020, had a return of only 57% over that same time period, while digital competitors had over a 300% return. So some inflection point now is it the pandemic and the need to work 24 by 7 untethered, is it the need to interact with your independent agents and consumers on a um, digital basis? But something finally has kicked in um, around digitization. Um, And it's been very profound. And we looked at how they selected technology, how they managed change efforts, how they thought about claims and underwriting. And I think one of the more interesting things that particularly the listeners uh, to this podcast would find, independent agents uh, were overrepresented in terms of profit pool. And when you look at digital maturity, it correlates very closely to supportive independent agents and the ability to achieve and sustain superior growth and underlying economics, but I'm I'm sure we may get to that in this in in this podcast.
1: Well, I think I think it's I'm 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 like lit, literally sitting here jotting down notes and and thinking of things that I want to talk about, and we do keep this to a like it's not going to be a four hour podcast, even though Bill probably has more than four hours of great. Well, I'm
0: happy to come back to to support Vertifor in the podcast. And certainly, the independent agents are one of our most important stakeholders. So, anything that we can do as an organization to support well, uh, Vertiforce customers, um, uh, we're we're all in at a core. I,
1: really, I, I appreciate that. We appreciate that. Um, so, I'm looking for this slide that I found, and it was. Let me find it really quick here. It's in the. Um, it is in your digital maturity. Uh, Document and it's, it's this it's kind of a circle of, where is it? I'm sorry that I'm pausing on you here, Bill, but it's very important that I ask you this question and have you explain to me what you mean by it. I can't find it. So let me ask me your other question while I'm looking for it. So I'm reading through one of your studies and there's, I'm just going to read a paragraph that talks about digitization and I want you to speak to it. Of course, those on the cusp of adopting digitized, consumer-driven philosophy will ask if customers are actually demanding digitization. The answer is a resounding yes. In North America, according to your study, in 2015, the answer yes was the the demand for digitization, 40% of the people. Mm -hmm. Correct. It's 80% percent So if that isn't a resounding yes, I don't know what is. Talk to me about that shift and why, why is that happening and what does that mean for if I'm out there in the middle of the, the, the country and I've got my little agency that we've just been knocking it out of the park for the last 20 years, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And now you're telling me that people want to be, they want us to be more digitized as an agency they want the carrier to be more digitized what it, tell me from your perspective what that what that those numbers mean to you
0: yeah that numbers you're quoting are the 2015 was 40 percent of u.s yep. consumers and that looks at um personal lines and small commercial so the real the beating heart of the independent yep. agent right yep. the yep. middle middle and large commercial we have other numbers for that um, and it moved from 40 percent to 80 percent um, i don't view digitization as a substitute for a relationship of with an agent, with an individual. I think what we're hearing is they want that relationship complemented by digital capabilities extended. For example, right, of course they want an understanding from the independent agent, the licensed support staff, and the staff within these offices to understand, are they making the right choice? When they've got a real question about billing increase, when they have uh, first notice of loss, they want to speak to someone, they want a claim track, they want advocacy, they want inquiry so that they're ensuring that they're buying the right uh, product or or, or and getting the right coverage. What the demand for digital is, do they have the option to avail themselves, right? So it's not as if it's a substitute, but does the customer have the option when you think about interacting whether it's a first notice of loss, can they check it online or that they need to get an individual? If they're trying to get a preliminary quote, can they do it on a 24 by seven basis untethered? I don't view this as a threat, this, this demand for digitization. I think it's only a threat if we as a group of independent agents and technology firms and other types of advocates for the independent agent don't enable that digital channel. Because I will tell you, Um, When you look at the value creation, the retention, the loss ratios, the underwriting expense ratios for direct business, it is not attractive. Customers who are price shopping, customers who buy on price, change based on price. Getting them to come for price, that is a a death knell for our industry. We are not selling a commodity, right? So I think digitization says, how do we increase our value add? As an independent agent, what's driving it is, I think, the ubiquity of technology, not within our industry, but outside of it, whether it's shopping, whether it's banking, whether it's travel, right? Consumers are being trained on a regular basis to have a level of expectation to interact, right, with their bricks and mortar, with their relationship uh, uh, um, uh, entities. They want that as an option, not a substitute. Right, so I think that it's a future inevitability, right? That consumers are going to want not exclusively, because I can tell you they're not attractive customers who exclusively want to interact through digital means. And carriers are realizing this increasingly. Independent agents are critical to get the right customers to come, stay, and buy products.
1: And what you said, Bill, that I love the word was complement. I've I've been an advocate for technology now for quite a long time, having been an agency owner and seeing what operational efficiency can do and i i could not agree with you anymore on your sentiment that this is not a replacement this is a complement. and what it should do if you're leveraging technology again from the independent agent perspective is if you are using technology in a way that it is creating efficiency it gives you more time to build deeper relationships on the personal side. And it becomes, and the word, which I've never used, which I will now use moving forward is, it is the complement to what you already have and and your personality of your agency and what they've come, why they've been your customer for so long. Do you agree with that?
0: I do. And when I think about what, look, if you've seen one agency, you've seen one, right? Right. We're all unique. (laughs) We're all special. We serve different customers, different communities, different carriers. But at the core We help our customers to assess that risk, identify the product set, solution coverage limits, submit that, get a quote and proposal back, bind it, deliver the policy, and then engage in all that post-bind activity. The scarcest resource at any independent agent is talent, is people, is time. Yes, I do think answering a billing inquiry can reinforce that relationship for certain customer segments. Mm -hmm. Walking someone through a first notice of loss can reinforce it, right? For others, it won't. I think increasingly our ability to add value from a relationship um, standpoint is gonna require that digital enablement across that value chain to your point so that you're more efficient, more effective, and you could decide where do you want to invest the time perhaps in what we might perceive as low value added, but for that individual consumer, insured, uh, they view it as high value added. And where do you want to prospect and market and reinforce that relationship? But I think without that digital capability, you lack that strategic and tactical degrees of freedom around where you want to spend that limited resource talent in your office. Do you want all licensed support staff to be dealing with 100% of post-buying inquiries versus marketing versus cross-selling? I'm not right. saying don't do it but it's not going to be valued the same way across all customer segments. And you need those digital capabilities in order to decide, right? There's going to be no substitute for the expertise I think that that independent agents and staff have. I'm a firm believer in co-locating decision-making authority with those with the knowledge to make the decision. They have it, but I don't want our independent agents in the United States being forced to invest time in what they know could be low value added. Types of activities where the insured isn't valuing it, but they have to do it simply because of the dearth of technologies. Right.
1: Yeah, and that and that's and that's where the like that's where they hit the wall, right? That's where some agencies are banging into a ceiling. A, a well, I can
0: tell you when you look at PIF per support staff, right? I'm not going to get into numbers here, but beyond a certain level, your your, your retention is going to suffer. Right. So unless you've got a 100%. way to improve the overall productivity of that support staff and the agent within an office you're not going to be able to grow and your retention is going to suffer, right? So at the same token, by applying digital technologies to it, you may be able to raise that average PIF count for support staff and grow and retain and get the cross-sell type numbers you want out of that book.
1: And just for clarity for Dylan, my producer, PIF is policies in force dylan just so you know just so here oh i'm that.
0: sorry this industry is filled with jargon and you can't <laughs> even remember the point to where you don't remember it anymore i don't do yeah. i i don't do it on no i i know
1: and sure. people listening i just i'm giving dylan a hard time um so i want i want one I, i've got one more slide now, again everybody listening we're going to get the end here we'll give you where you can find all of these studies they're amazing if you're not connecting with bill and accord and absorbing some of this information um it's time to do that. And we'll give you that information toward the end of this. But there's a slide in your distribution and digitization uh, study that's it's called the virtuous cycle between carriers and agents. And just to dr- kind of paint a visual picture for everybody here, in the middle is the carriers and agents, and there, there's a handshake. And then around it is this cycle. And I want to read them off to you, Bill. And I kind of want to, you to talk to me about how that Like if I'm sitting back and whether I'm a carrier or an agent here, I I want you to talk me through why I need to be looking at best practices as it relates to this relationship. So it's communication and collaboration, Mm -hmm. it's brand and positioning, it's measures and incentives and training and tools. Talk to me about that.
0: So this comes right or wrong, and maybe there's gonna be some
1: independent agents
0: that are angry with me for saying this, but when I look at an independent agent, I look at two dimensions, what is the capacity and competency of that agency not agent but that agency you can have an incredibly uh, uh, capable independent agent without the um, capacity it's just not enough staff right so when I look about capacity and competency there's low and high, and when I look at engagement motivation, there's low and high right. Well, clearly for agencies with high capacity and competency and high engagement motivation, you really need to empower those agencies, right? Just to step aside. They know what they're doing. They've got the staff. They're motivated. They're great. Now, at the other end of the spectrum are agencies that have relatively low capacity and competency and relatively low engagement motivation. Throughout my career, I have failed. I have failed to try to figure out what to deal with someone who's low skill, low will. I mean, if you don't really know what you're doing and you don't want to get better, I can't do anything. However, there are those agencies with high capacity and competency and not necessarily motivated. You've got to excite those agencies. You got to get them motivated to actually grow. And then when you've got agencies that have high engagement motivation, but low capacity and competency, well, here you have to enable them through tools and technologies and training, right? So when I think about that two by two, I'm focused on the high skill, high will, high capacity and competency, high engagement, but also on those that know what they're doing and necessarily may not be motivated and those that are highly motivated. And when I think about that virtuous cycle you talked about, um, I think, look, it starts with, and we can start with communication collaboration. Do the agents, the license support staff, the staff in the office, do you as a carrier have their share of mind, but also their share of effort? When I try to assess someone's motivation, the number one thing I look at, discretionary effort. Do you? Of course, people will do the minimum, but are they giving you more than that minimum? Are you getting more than your fair share of that book? We all know if you're not one, two, or three on an independent agent's book of business, it may not be the most attractive customer segments, assuming that it's not some specialty line. Do you refine that communication and collaboration on an iterative basis? It's work. You have to be interacting, talking, learning, and growing. And is that part of some real value creation? Does your interaction with the independent agents help that agent to grow, to retain customers, to improve their value proposition to their customers? Next, that brand and position. Does the brand for that carrier resonate with that agency and with the target customers that that agency is trying to go at. Is it aligned with the value proposition of that agency? And are you supporting that agent on a local basis? So agents out there, when you're screening your carriers, are you getting that brand and positioning to help you add more value to your insureds to better position you over the immediate, near and long-term within your communities? Next, measurements and incentives. Right. Look, you've got to have transparent measurement incentives. If you've got highly complex, right, incredibly complex compensation uh, um, uh, metrics that can't be readily understood, they're of no value. They're not going to motivate an agency or the staff. They need to be transparent. They need to be cash, but also non-cash. The reality is we are motivated. We have a purpose beyond profit within the independent agency community, right? Are you selling good product? Are you delivering superior claims results? Are you making the agency proud that they bound their customer to you by reinforcing that value proposition? And are those measurement incentives both near and long-term? Clearly there is no long-term if you don't make it through the near term, but it needs to be balanced. Next, the training and tools. Do you provide that initial scratch agents starting out, but also ongoing training and tools? And I don't mean someone coming to visit you to hassle you regarding more growth or improved loss results. I mean, genuine help that you're not dreading the fact that a representative from a carrier is coming to visit you, but real uh, uh, training and tools. Are they capability centric? When I think about an independent agent's ability to execute, right? Whether it's uh, uh, assessing risk or binding or dealing with endorsements. Within there are three ingredients. There's some processes, inputs, tasks, outputs, key performance indicators. There's organizational attributes, skill sets, incentives, shared values, and work norms. And then there's the technology, the data, the software, the infrastructure. Do you deliver to that agency capability-centric training and tools? And by that, I mean process, org, and IT right? It's not just about the technology. It's not just about the process. Back to my argument earlier that, of course, there's no correlation between absolute spend. If there's not alignment between strategic intent for an agency and process organization IT, you're not going to see a correlation. And lastly, through the training and tools being delivered by your carrier partners, are they really driving value for the agency, for your staff, and for your insureds, and are they improving your ability to have impact? Because in the end, if we, if they if carriers aren't helping you as an agency to, to increase your impact in the communities for your households for your small businesses, then that's that puts us in a precarious position. So that's the virtuous. By the way, Rick, I should have warned you. Every we do these studies, and we do we do at least a half dozen every year. Um, one of these days, I'm gonna learn something very profound. In the end, I. We do these things. I'm like, is that what it is? It's formalized common sense, but you know yes. what it is? This is an execution-based business, right? This isn't a business of multi-level chessboards and deep strategy. The carrier prices the product. The independent agent understands that product details. It sells it to the consumer. It educates the consumer. It binds it. Claims come in. You manage lost costs. You get a decent investor return. You treat the customers well. They renew with you their businesses grow, their households grow, and you sell them more things, and you're part of that virtuous cycle we talked about, or you're not. This is about execution. This isn't about deep thinking, what's my strategy going to be? You've got to execute every day, right? Customers, uh, look, we all have the same boss, right? The customers who can fire us by spending their money somewhere else, right? right? So when I think about, right, uh, agencies, right? In the end, right? Are we adding value? Are we, the purpose of any agency is to create an insured, not to create a PIF count. Are you creating a customer? Does it generate and are we adding value in it? It's a, it's a very important thing, but formalized common sense. I would hope everything I'm saying to your listeners is saying, well, I know that, but you got to do it. You gotta and do You got to do it every day. And that's the real challenge here is do you execute day in, day out on this? right? It can't be one day a week or one week a month, right? Or one month a year. It's continual. It's nonstop to do this. And the best agencies are out there doing it and winning and growing and not only surviving, but, uh, but really thriving as right. part of all this.
1: Well, Bill Peroni, putting agencies and carriers on notice that execution is the key. I, like, like everything you're saying, I'm literally nodding my head going, yep, that, yep, that, and if you start, but it's to your point, and I, I always say you have to have a strategy, have a plan and then measure your plan, go through your plan. And I love the fact that you just went right to, you have to execute every single day to, be, to not to your point, not just survive because we can keep going on. And a lot of these agencies can stay in the mud that they're in and continue to do fine, right? But if you want to be, if you want to be the top of those five, that Bill used for his carrier reference, the, the competitive, what, what I don't remember what it's called, but it was it? Digital competitor, digital, digital competitor. competitor. You need to execute on all of these little elements. So, Bill, I, I again, I, we're gonna have you back if, you're, if you'd be willing oh, Rick, to come back. I, and I, do again,
0: anything for Vertifor and the independent agency community, please do not hesitate.
1: I appreciate that, but let me ask you my final question as I think this will be a good sure. one. Um our listeners know what it is it's what we call our time capsule question so i'm going to take this little bit right here we're going to bury it somewhere someone's going to dig it up in 6 months in 2 years whenever they dig it up they're going to hear the recording of bill peroni's one big piece of advice for the industry i think look it's a future
0: inevitability that systematic thoughtful strategically aligned investment in technology is a future inevitability for those that are going to achieve and sustain superior growth and underlying economics, right? That there's no question, given that it's a future inevitability, if you've got a technical debt, get out of it, identify where it is and begin to invest if you've got stewardship for your organization. So that's my one thing. There is just no way that as we move forward throughout time, that technology isn't going to continue to pay an extremely important role, maybe not exclusively, right? But an extremely important role. So invest. It takes time. You can't you, do not engage in boom and bust cycles. It requires sustained positive investment and then the corresponding processes and organizational capabilities to leverage it. It's not the golf clubs, it's also the clubs combined with the proper technique, combined with the proper skill set of the individual using it. So it's not enough to throw money at it, right? Get that technical debt closed out, but make sure you've got the underlying business processes that use it, as well as the organizational skill sets, capabilities, and culture to use it. And I'll end with Peter Drucker's quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. If you don't have the right people, not just people, right? You're not gonna be able to get it done, but those right people need the right technology and the right underlying business processes to truly uh, deliver value to insurance.
1: Bill, you're so passionate about this and have such great things to say. I I truly, truly appreciate not only what we talked about today, but just your place in the industry and uh, the great information. I do want to share a few things. If you're not following Bill currently or connected with Bill on LinkedIn, he shares great content, always has something positive and passionate about our industry. Go connect now. Uh, I would say that as it relates to these, these surveys, Accord has is, is, is given me the, the link here. It's uh, accord.org slash research is where you can find these studies. If you look in the content or the, the write-up for this podcast, there's a link as well for one of the mini white papers. You can click there as well. Bill, is that the best way to connect with you is through LinkedIn?
0: Yeah, it is. By the way, I, I, I preach uh, technology, but LinkedIn, I know it may be a little old fashioned, but it's, it's far more um, accessible for me than some of the other social media channels. So Wonderful. LinkedIn is my go-to uh, channel. So that, that is the best way.
1: Well, and you don't have to see pictures of people's cats quite as much and things like that. Sometimes well, that's to- true. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Bill, we really appreciate it. It's so nice to have you. We will have you again, but thank you, my friend. No, and thank
0: all the independent agents out there for everything you do for the communities that you operate, for putting people's lives back together and getting businesses um, uh, uh, doing what they need to do. So thank you for, uh, for to your listeners for everything they do for society, but also for our industry. Thank you.
1: Bill Peroni, our guest. Thank you everybody for tuning in. I am so uh, humbled by all the response we get. Make sure you're following me on LinkedIn. Send me a, a direct note if you have other guests you think we should have or topics for our insure rant. And of course, now our new segment, which is the Ask Rick segment or the episode, send me questions. We'll, we'll get to those questions. We'll shout you out if we use your question in one, of our live, in one of our podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to go to vertifor.com, go to the resources tab, click on podcasts and subscribe there as well for extra content. Again, Bill Proni, our guest today, awesome content. Look in the, 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 the words of this podcast and you will find a link to a mini white paper go to accord.org slash research for the surveys thank you everybody for tuning in and we will see you next time
0: thank you for listening to the vertifor insurance podcast and tune in next thursday for a brand new episode you can find more episodes at vertifor.com under the resources tab or wherever you get your podcasts make sure you subscribe and if you enjoyed this episode share it on social and spread the word Don't forget to join in on the conversation and recommend future guests by messaging us at Vertifor.